Good morning. Oh man, so we should be back together next week. We've had some hiccups here and there as it pertains to uh, getting together, people getting sick, uh, but we are going to try to schedule a meeting sometime this week or maybe next to get our policies in order so we can be back together next week. But uh, I miss you guys. I hate, I hate preaching to an empty room. I, I told Carrie today, it's, it's kind of like trying to bake in a, in a non-preheated oven. You know, when you come to church on a Sunday morning, you have the fellowship, you have the worship, you have all those aspects to get you to that point where you are ready to jump into the pulpit and, and, and speak the word of God. And um, I don't have that when I'm preaching to the camera. And so it's difficult for me. It's kind of like putting biscuits in the oven right as you turn it on and they're not going to get done on time. Why? Because the oven didn't have the time needed to get ready. So pray for me this morning as we look to God's word. You know, I thought long and hard about how to finish up our thankful series. So far, we've talked about sacrifice. We've talked about grace. But in the end, those are both things that uh, we can kind of take for granted. Um, those are things we know we have. We, we know that happened, and we, we can take those for granted. I believe that was the point of this series. It's easy to be mindful during this part of the year for those uh, material things that we have. It's easy to be thankful for family and for friends. And so much of what the believer has to be thankful for, though, isn't measured in physical terms. They're abstract thoughts. They're abstract ideas. So to finish this series, I kept asking, how do you finish being thankful? When I was a youth, in youth group, I'm parent, um, we had a speaker come in one time. We told us a story of a bird. And he said, he said this. He said, if a bird went to a beach and grabbed one grain of sand and flew from here all the way to the moon and dropped off that grain of sand and flew all the way back and grabbed another grain of sand and he flew all the way back to the moon. And he did that over and over and over again until he took all of the earth and moved it to the moon one grain of sand at a time that would be just the beginning of eternity. Now, I think eternity is a great ending for this series of thankfulness because it's the one abstract thing that every believer has some understanding of thankfulness for. Even unbelievers have this understanding of eternity. Even backsliders who are walking the wrong path can be thankful for eternity. And so there is an appreciation of the eternal aspect of being a believer. But you knew there was going to be a but, right? But I think sometimes our view of eternity and the characteristics of eternity are limited. I think uh, we, we, we look at things in just one little tied up ribbon bow package and we put it off to the side. So this morning I want to examine quickly three aspects of eternity that the believer should be thankful for. And the first one of those is eternal love. Now, eternal love. Now, you're probably going, yes, Troy, we know about eternal love. We, we understand that. But I'm talking about that eternal love that sometimes we gloss over in the book of Romans and sometimes we just kind of don't think about. But I want us to look there this morning, the eternal love there in Romans 8.38. And it says, For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, 
things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel that the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> you know, we live in a world that measures love by all the wrong standards. We call things romantic that are selfish at best and sinful at worst. We talk about a love that we fall into and we also fall out of. If you're always falling, you're going to end up pretty low. We have a world where love is fickle. It's something that fades and goes away. There are many relationships in this world, many marriages that end over the words, I just don't love you anymore. That's why it's so important to realize and be thankful for the eternal love of God to humanity. We have spoken several times before the quality of God's love. We have talked about the things that, that God is doing. We know it's unconditional. We know it's spoken through action and not through words. We can describe God's love from here until our death. But I think the most important part of that love is that it is eternal. Here in Romans, Paul tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. There is complete faithfulness and presence of God's love in our life. God's love is eternal. It does not end. It goes on and on and on. It is love that provides the other things we've talked about in this series. It's that love that is the key. His love doesn't stop. You can't run him off. His love doesn't stop. You can't make him not love you anymore. Try as you might, try as you might, you will not succeed. There was a time in my life when I was very upset and mad with God. And so what did I do? I did everything that I could do to try to make him mad at me. Everything that you can imagine I was trying. Everything that short of getting things that get me thrown in jail. I did that once, but I didn't actually do that. That was the whole other story. Ask me about it sometime. But the truth is, no matter what I did, God's love never stopped. No matter how hard I tried, God never stopped loving me. I cannot get God to not love me anymore. His love did not begin, and it will not end. He loved you before you were born. He loved you when you weren't even thought of yet. He loved you as he was orchestrating the processes inside of your mother to bring you into this world. God had loved, God's love has always existed. It will always exist. It's not a feeling. It's not something that comes and goes. It's not something that, that, that's here today and gone tomorrow. There's not this roller coaster effect. God doesn't fall in love with me and then out of love with me. God's love is eternal and it's constant and it stays there. It's not a warm emotion. It's an undying and unwavering devotion no matter how badly we fail. His love is eternal. And we should be thankful for that love. Also, another part of eternity that we need to be thankful for is everlasting life. Now you're going, we're talking about eternity, and we are. But I don't think 
What we have is eternal life. See, this is where I will find, you'll find that I will err on the side of the King James before I err on the side of the NIV with this. Why? Because I do not believe that the life we gain is eternal. Let me explain why. Eternal means there is no beginning and there is no end. I believe we have a beginning. I believe the life that we live and the life that we get from God is, is everlasting. I believe that when we accept Jesus, we move from death into life and therefore there's a beginning. Our life will never end in Jesus. But it did have a beginning in Jesus. And so that's why I say everlasting life. And so when I see everlasting life here, I look at John 5, 24, where, where Jesus says, I assure you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has everlasting life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Anyone who believes has eternal or everlasting life. This is a present Reality. It's exciting, guys. It's exciting. It's a present reality. Every time everlasting or eternal life is mentioned in Scripture, it's a present possession. You have everlasting life. He has eternal life. Not will have. Not going to have. Always present. Belonging. Why is this important? Because if everlasting life is a present reality, it isn't something we work for. There are people out there who want to say, well, <clears throat> I come to know Jesus, and then I work towards eternal life. No. You come to know Jesus, and in that minute, you have eternal life. You have everlasting life. In that moment, He gives you this. It is impossible to lose everlasting life. It's impossible to lose eternal life. It's not possible for that to happen. Once you have eternal life, you have it. It doesn't go anywhere. If you can lose it, it was never eternal or everlasting to begin with. If everlasting or eternal life can stop, it was not everlasting. When Scripture talks about eternal or everlasting life, it is always about the present possession of the believer. We have everlasting life. You can't be so good that you can get more. And you can't be so bad that you'll get less. You'll always have the same amount of everlasting life. It never changes. You can't be kind of saved. That's not being kind of pregnant. You can't be kind of pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You, don't, you, you can't say, well, I'm kind of pregnant. No, you're pregnant. If there's a baby growing inside you, you're pregnant. If you are saved and a believer of Jesus, you have the everlasting life. You have eternal life. Think of it this way. This is, this is good for COVID. You get an illness, right? You get sick. And your body produces antibodies that fight against the disease. Now, technically, every disease that we get sick with, we're never totally rid of every disease. There's always little fragments, little parts, little proteins, little genetic structures within our body that were created so that when the disease comes back, 
Our body knows how to fight. All the vaccines we give to kids before they go to school, that's the thought behind them. We give them a little bit of this. It causes antibodies. Therefore, their body has already had the disease. If their body has already had the disease, the traces are always there. They can't be gotten rid of. They're always going to be a part of you. And you are going to be able to fight off anything that comes in. That's salvation. You may accept Jesus, and when you do, your life changes. Something happens and you fall away. Guess what? Salvation is still there. You still have the traces of God's DNA within you. You still have those antibodies. You may be symptom-free of salvation, but if your salvation was genuine, it's not gone. It's still there. It's still a part of you. If you really believe Jesus, no matter how far you walk away, you still have everlasting life. That is one of the promises of Scripture. We should be thankful for everlasting life because it's something we have now and not in the distant future. And that should change how we live now. Right? If we know we have everlasting life, our life should reflect that. Our life should be such that we say, let me live a better life to give God the glory for the possession He's already given me. So yes, eternity is eternal life. Everlasting life. Eternal love. It's also an eternal home. We all know John 14, most of us do at least. It's one of my favorite funeral passages of all time. It's the one that says, Your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I'm going to wait to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Woo! This is a wedding story. This is a wedding story. Now you're going, huh? It's a wedding story. Remember the wedding in Canaan? Remember Jesus' first miracle in the book of John? Remember how that works? Right before this, right, right, right before all these things happen in the book of John, you have that, that first miracle at the wedding in Canaan, that week-long party. When Jewish people got married in the Old and New Testament, they did it right. It was a celebration. It was something that everybody was a part of, and this is a wedding story. And it's only fitting for the bride of Christ. Christ himself, right? Because you see, what would happen in, in a Jewish wedding is that two young people would be betrothed. A man to a young woman. And after they were betrothed, and they went through this legal process to be betrothed, they would then go home each to their respective places. And the young men would begin to build a room on the daddy's house. A room. A bridal chamber. And he would build it. And every once in a while, Daddy would come in and inspect that room. Not time yet, son. The room's not quite finished. 
And so the young man would continue working on that room, preparing the place that would be his and his bride's, preparing the place where he would have his marriage, preparing the place where he would live with his future wife. And so he would work for a little while and say, Daddy, is it ready? And Daddy would say no. And he would work for a little while and he would say, Daddy, is it ready? And Daddy would say no. And he went and he would work for a little while and he would say, Daddy, is it ready? And Daddy would say no. But one day, but one day, Daddy would walk in and say, Son, it's ready. It's ready. Go out in the streets and call in the guests. Go out and tell people that the wedding's about to happen. Make preparations. Get everything done. And then, son, go get your bride. And then the wedding would happen. When Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house. There are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to, be, I'm going to get it ready. I'm going to go work on your room. I'm going to go get it ready for you. And when I get, when it get ready, when it's prepared, when it's time to go, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. We should be thankful for our eternal home in heaven because we're going to have fellowship of dwelling together. Heaven's not going to be lonely. One of the things that we have missed during this is fellowship. There is a loneliness and an aching for not being together but when God has, says our place is prepared, we get to go. And when we get there, it's not going to be lonely because we're going to have the Father, we're going to have the Son, we're going to have the Spirit, but we're also going to have every other believer who's ever gone. Our eternal home is going to be something so different than anything we can imagine here. If we take all the best parts of what we love about life here, those times when we get together with family and we love on each other, those times when we get the greatest gifts in the world at Christmas or our birthday, those times when everything goes right, when we take all the best times we can ever imagine, great family vacations, great days off, snow days from school, all those things, and we roll them into one, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what our eternal home will be like. The fellowship and the greatness, because we will get there and we see that God has planned for us so much more than we could ever imagine. This story of the eternal home of the believer tells us that the individual has worth in the sight of God. Because he goes to prepare a place for me and for you and for our neighbor. He's gone to prepare a place for each of us. And when our place is prepared, He comes to get us. What makes this our home is not the beauty there, but the presence of God. You know, there's a house in Perry that uh, I never went through probate on. Uh, I was living six hours away and I couldn't see driving back and forth to do that. And, they auctioned it off. And I had family members who got mad at me. They got mad at me. Because that was mom's. Now I should have more respect for that. But the thing about that was, that wasn't my home. Mom made that home. It was her presence that said to me, that's home. And now that she's not there, it's not home. It's a house. That town isn't home. It's a, it's, it's a town. Mom's presence made it home. 
Our eternity is not, is not heaven, is not home, simply because it's so popular and it's so beautiful. What makes heaven or the new earth our home is the presence of our Father. Can you imagine in that day? Can you imagine when you stand in the presence of God? When you stand in the presence of Jesus? There have been times in my life when my heart has ached to be with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has been a great comforter as the Bible tells me. But there are still times I want to be in the presence of Jesus. That's what makes our eternal home, home. Eternity is something believers should be thankful for. We serve a God who has eternal love for us. We have everlasting life. And we have an eternal home secure and prepared for us in the presence of Almighty God. That's amazing. And that blows my mind just to even think about that God loved me that much. We started this series with the verse. It's our theme verse. But thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. God's gift is indescribable because there are so many things that it gives that we could never do on our own. Maybe this morning you've been struggling with the thoughts of eternity. That becomes hard. Um, to wrap our mind around the eternal. Just allow yourself to soak in the righteousness of God. Maybe this morning you have uh, you've been struggling with God's love You've been thinking, oh my goodness, there's no way God could still love me. He doesn't know what I've done. God knows everything that you've done. God knows every step you've taken. He knows every sin that you've stepped off in. He knows every bad thought that you have. He knows everything about you. But His love never fails. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. We can't separate ourselves from the love of Christ because Jesus loves us so much. His love goes on and on and on. Friend, today, if you are afraid that God can't love you anymore, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you. He loves you with everything that He is, and He will not stop until you hear that love for you. You can't make Him not love you. He's going to keep loving you. Give into that love today. Maybe today you've been struggling with the idea of everlasting life. You've been thinking every time you turn around, every time you do something, that you know you have lost your salvation. You know that you're not saved anymore. Friend, let me tell you something right now. The Bible tells me that I can't lose my salvation. 
If I lost it, it means I never had it. Because everlasting life is always a present possession for those who follow Jesus. Friend, if you're afraid you're losing your salvation, it's not going to happen. Now that doesn't mean we have a reason to be living cheap grace. That doesn't mean we live our life however we want to. What that means is because we know we have everlasting life, our life should change. We should begin to say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what, and I'm going to please you with my life. That should be our calling. But friend, you'll never lose your everlasting life because God gave it to you. It's your present possession. It's a gift, and it's yours now. Maybe. Maybe you doubt the presence of your eternal home. Maybe you find yourself confused because everything you read seems so different because there's premillennial, there's amillennial, there's postmillennial, there's everything else in between and everybody's trying to tell you all these things that are supposed to happen. Let me tell you, friend, it doesn't really matter which way it happens. It doesn't really matter how it looks. It doesn't matter because what I, am, what I know from reading God's Scripture is that God has a place for us. It doesn't matter when that place is. It doesn't even matter where that place is. It just matters that God is preparing a place for me and for you. It just matters that He loves us that much. That's what matters. Nothing else in the world matters. But that God's Word promises of us an eternal home. That's what matters. Maybe this morning you want to pray. I'll pray with you. Call me on the phone again. Maybe this morning... You have some other need. Maybe you want to serve the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. Maybe this morning. Maybe you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known Him. And so that means for you, right now, you don't have eternal love. It's there. He's offering it, but you don't know the feeling of it. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you don't have everlasting love. You're not guaranteed to live on when this world comes to an end. Maybe this morning you don't have an eternal home. You have eternal separation coming your way. Maybe that's what's coming. Today's the day to grab all of these promises. Today's the day to learn to be thankful for His love, for His life, and for His home. Maybe that's today because if you don't know Jesus, pick up the phone right now and call me. Call me. 254-646-2485. Pick up the phone and call me. You want my cell number? 817-776-3569. If you don't know Jesus today, may today be the day. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever your need, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.